says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and joining me today to preview all the action in the upcoming round for the Parramatta Eels is my good mate, 60s. How you doing on a little bit of an overcast Thursday, big fella? Yeah, it's a bit of a, a strange one today, quite mild earlier this morning. But, mate, I can't believe it. We're up to a preview already. It seems like only yesterday we were doing the midweek news. Yes. Pod. Time does travel so quickly in the rugby league spheres. But, thankfully, we've got enough time to preview a couple of games for the blue and gold. Let's look at the upcoming action for the weekend, Big Fell, because we've got some important games for finals hopes for all three teams, starting with the Jersey flag, because they're part of a doubleheader out at Four Pines Stadium. They kick off at 5.30 p.m., Coming into this game as the 10th-seeded team versus the 8th-seeded Eagles, one win behind the uh, top eight cutoff there, which Manly are currently occupying. So obviously a pretty critical game. And uh, looking at the Eagles roster this week, 60s, we start off with Dantore Louis at fullback. Got Myla Graham Taufa and Torora Williams on the flanks. Jabril Kalachi and Corey Fenning in the centres. In the halves, it's Mac Poafisi and Ethan Sanders. Front row, Peter Tateo and Larry Mwaga Tateo are the props. Cruz Natili-Schmidt is the dummy half. Ryan Jones and Felix Natili-Schmidt are on the edges with Brock Parker at lock forward. On the bench, Jacob Davis, Jack Colavati, the big hyphens back, Jonte Jr., Bethan Mesa, and Saxon Pryke rounding out the four-man rotation. And yeah, they're taking on the eighth-place Seagulls. Who did they... They, they lost last time around. Uh, with um, That was a game where both Corey Fenning and... Uh, Tony Matelli got injured, so this will be a big game for them to get a result in. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think from memory, the Eels were down something like twenty-four nil after less than twenty-four minutes. Uh, we had uh, Para through and through out there covering the game for us, getting us the uh, the score updates from. I believe it was at Ringrose that particular yes, game. Yes, it was Ringrose, and it was pretty ordinary conditions. I think. Yeah, so the uh, yeah the eels were well behind to start off with, and then fought their way back. But you also mentioned the injuries that occurred. Uh, so um, it, yeah, it's it's a really uh, tough game uh, to look back on uh, because I think it slowed up the momentum for the season. Um, yeah, so look. I think it's a winnable game. And and you mentioned it's a must-win game, but it's an absolutely winnable game as well. And I think that's crucial. If the Eels played anything like they did against the Sharks a couple of weeks ago, they get this result quite easy. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a question of can they return to that? Now, just a couple of things in that regard. I went out and covered their game last week, and it was, a again, it was a game of missed opportunities. They were playing the highly rated Penrith Panthers. And it was 18-12 with not much more than five minutes to go. And the Panthers put on two late light tries that really blew the score out. But, you know, the Eels just, they, they weren't far away from causing an upset in that. And I must say that uh, they've got, I don't agree with the positional selections there. Um, we've got, 
uh, Corey Fenning, who was a, a guest on our uh, podcast most recently, playing in the centres, and and we spoke to Corey about his versatility, and he, he said he's, uh, as you'd expect from most footballers, they're happy to play any position that helps the helps the team and the coach out. But to to my way of thinking, he plays his best football at fullback. We've got Dan Torre Louis at fullback, and I believe he plays his best uh, football in the halves, and. You know, I I really do wish that we could see Corey Fenning at, uh, back at fullback because in that game against the Sharks, both he and um, uh, Ethan Sanders were instrumental in putting the Eels on the on the front foot right from the start. In that, and they never they never took their their uh, foot off the throat during that game. And it, um, yeah, I. I I really would have liked to have seen Corey selected at fullback, but um, let's let's see how we go this week. Yeah, and obviously, more importantly, is just securing the win by any means possible. This is a very gettable one, and if they drop this one, uh, Manly will lift to a full two wins ahead, which probably shuts the door on any finals hopes for the Parramatta Eels. You'd have to say if just a, what five games in hand, you'd need a whole string of results going your way plus a whole string of wins. So mathematically still achievable, but you don't want to lose this one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, you, you did mention that we we do see the big hyphen back in uh, Jonte Junior. Beetham Misa. Um, he's I think he's a big in to come off the bench. He, he really provides some power and punch uh, coming off the bench, and you know it's a it it is a strong Eels forward pack. When you've got Peter Tateo and and Larry as the starting props, and I've been impressed with the work that Cruz Nutili Schmidt has been doing out of dummy half as well. Um, so it's look, I think I think if they, as I said, they can find the positivity that they played with against the the Sharks, then they get this game. But as I said, the last time they played Manly. The start was a disaster. Yeah, one that they and and I think from memory, did they claw back where it was the same number of tries that they ended up scoring? No, I, they, I think they got back to twenty four eighteen at one point, maybe twenty four all. Well, it was I think it was twenty four eighteen and four tries apiece at one stage. Um, let me have a quick gander at our draw in the Jersey flag. I can not misclick it. Was it around round nine or ten or something like that? Uh, yeah, so you're right. It got the 24 all, and they kicked the late uh, yeah, field goal on the sort of back end of the game to put it to that two score margin and secure the 25 18 victory. Yeah, so that would have, I think, that would have meant that they uh, scored, um, outscored them on the tries, four, four tries uh, apiece. But with uh, with Corey Fanny getting injured in that opening stanza in the, inside the first, I think, ten minutes, he was uh, concussed. We had to get Ethan Sanders off the tee, and he only went one from four. Which ultimately yeah. proved quite costly when they, you know, were able to kick all their goals and then add the field goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, a it certainly was a costly game, that's for sure. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's their um, uh, an earlier start this weekend. They're they're on Friday night rather than the uh, yes. Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, they're part of the uh, main which, event, which then takes us, doesn't it, to um, the. Uh, the game against uh, the Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles, yes. which is a Saturday game this week. Uh, Saturday or Sunday? 
Oh, hang on. You're right. I think it is a Sunday. Yeah, I mean, My got to build on the 7th of August here, 3 p.m. at Old H.E. Laybutt Field. So, yeah, Eels taking on the Manly Seagulls under the guise of the Blacktown Workers uh, joint venture there. So the Blacktown Workers Seagulls, is that the one we got? Yeah, Blacktown Workers Seagulls. Looking at the Eels team, a couple of changes or shuffles around this week. Uh, starting at fullback, Hayes Perham has taken over the custodial duties there. On the wings, we've got Simon Inaduki and Sean Russell in the centres. Zach Sini and Samuel Louise who gets the call up back into Reggie's. In the halves, it's Jack A. Williams, who was partnering Brendan Hands. No Jake Arthur, which is obviously significant. We'll talk about that in the NRL team. Front row, Offaghi Ogden and Wiramu Greg uh, alongside Mitch Rain at dummy half. Uh, We've we got to talk about the Wiramu Greg thing. If he's been eligible for selection this week, then there was a miscommunication, it feels like, among the officials last week. Uh, then we got in the back row, Ellie Elsgaham and Tony Matelli getting the start. Kai Rodwell at lock forward. On the bench, Jaden Yates, Tavita Talmapenu, Luke Bain and Dan Keir. Looking at that uh, Manly, well, Blacktown Workers Seagulls team who come into this game, uh, Eels in fifth and them in Stone Cold last and they've only won two games this this year. So even with the Eels missing a couple of key players there, no Jordan Rankin, no Jake Arthur in particular, you'd hope they can get the job done. But looking at this team, trying to see if anyone stands out. Um, I mean, we saw a couple of those guys getting some first grade last week because of the whole Manly 7 debacle, Pio Secchi. Um, Joe Tramontana, yep. Bruce Ward, a couple of ex-eels there. Um, and Vaya Tapatauto on the bench too, so three ex-eels. But yeah, no, no one of real note in this team. In fact, uh, they haven't even got, uh, what's his name, the dummy half. Um, oh, James Seguiaro. Yeah, James Seguiaro is missing too. So was he uh, was he listed for the NRL? Was he in the NRL sheet? He was not. So he must have picked up an injury. Mm, mm. That, no, okay. that's, that's that's good because when we played them last time, and they actually played us quite close, uh, he was the player that had his hands in everything. So yes, you know that's significant out there. But looking at, I mean, before we talk about this game, Wiramu Greg was sent off in the first, not even first minute, but first seconds of the second half against the Penrith Panthers, which conspired to leave the Eels, you know, obviously a man down for half the game. And then with Nathan Brown later getting seen in, we played 10 minutes, 11 v 13. How was how he eligible for selection this week if that was a send-off for what they alleged he did taking a man off the ball last week? they just get it wrong against Penrith? The officials see something that didn't happen? That's the only thing I can go on is that the that the officials got it wrong. They, I believe, they were getting quite a bit wrong in that second half. <laughs> the, the thing is, they went from a, a really well called first half to a second half where it felt like they didn't get a single call right. Well, we we had a bit of a laugh about it because I was getting text messages from great friend of the throw uh, Ham um, saying <laughs> this 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 in the first half this this referee I, I'm. I'm liking what I'm seeing, and in the second half, I was basically um, sending him text messages asking him whether he wanted to have a rethink on that. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, these look, these things happen. He, uh, I don't, I look. I have to remember. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't even take note of who the uh, who the referee was in the in the match yeah, exactly. last week at, at that level. You but, certainly don't take it personally for the the Reggie's referees, but. 
It was frustrating. And, and having said that, we didn't have a chance to recap it in our Instant Reaction podcast because we had a great time with Peter Wynn's 60s-plus goal and Mitchell on the show too. But that was one of the most spirited losses I've seen in Reggie's or pretty much any grade in a long time. Playing 13 on 11, they, they clawed back two tries, leveled the scores only for a last-minute field goal to you know, break the back, unfortunately, with a you know very good Penrith outfit. So no... Uh, I mean, while it didn't help their top four prospects... There was no harm done in terms of morale, I think, in that game. They played so well. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned being down to 11 players at one stage. I also want to throw out there that in the second half that uh, we we also had our captain coach was a passenger. Yeah, out there. and that's why he's not been named this week. Um, obviously, he's picked up, a, I think it was a, a calf injury we deduced or an ankle injury or a knee injury. It was something to do with yeah. the lower leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rankin, he he, he was really he was hobbling. He was like, hobbling. Yeah, he was yeah. he was battling in that window <laughs> down to just eleven men, and obviously couldn't take himself off uh, for a lack of uh, substitutions at fullback. But yeah, he was very courageous, as were the other players on the field. And one of the players that jumped out there was Tony Matteoli, who made a couple of early defensive errors, where you know he was either over eager or or made the right read, but didn't quite execute the tackle. Led in a couple of tries against Jermaine Hopgood, who was a silver lining in that game. He was incredible. Went for over 200 metres, scored a try, set up a couple. But he uh, came back to score what was a match-leveling try in the second half as he you know, sort of had that, gold, that goldfish moment that you want to see from a player where they forget the bad stuff and you get focused back on the good stuff. Um, but the other notable exclusion this week, I say exclusion, that I sort of had tongues wagging was Nathan Brown. There is nothing untoward about him being, quote-unquote, dropped out of reserve grade, I think, 60s. I think you'll find he got banged up. Yeah, well, uh, actually, there was uh, reports from BA in the presser that uh, Nathan Brown was going to be selected in uh, first grade this week. And he was there at training on Monday in the yellow shirt, which indicates NRL. NRL selection. Yeah, but then had to leave the field early to get some treatment and... Uh, I would say that that's that's been the case. That um, I don't know whether he's he's picked up the injury at training or whether it was a uh, whether it was something that was a, a problem from the game. But uh, that's why he hasn't been selected in any grade. It was you know he was there he was there taking part in Monday's training. Um, and anyone that's that's going with these conspiracy theories or and, and look, there's some people out there that are that are making some comments that are. Uh, are just completely unwarranted. I, I love that. Even. I love that when something like this happens, instead of going for the most obvious natural conclusion, applying Occam's razor, we have some people that just jump to like the worst possible conclusion. Like, you yeah. know, it's it's clearly bad blood or something's happened, and you know he's he's being outcast or whatnot. It's you know it's it's a tough game even at training. Odds are, if a player is not being selected, it's because they're injured. So there you go. Yeah, well, especially if they're not selected in, in Reggie's or any, in any grade. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that's the thing is that uh, on top of that, if that's the the case that the 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 injury was um, um, not going to keep, if he was injured in the game and it wasn't going to keep him out originally, or if he was injured in the training session, whatever it was, <clears throat> as I said, I I witnessed him leaving uh, starting training then leaving the field during training to get some treatment on Monday. I didn't know anything about what an in, what the injury was or anything like that. Even if I did, I wasn't going to report that anywhere because it's not my place to report yeah, on injuries. Exactly. But 
I, I did feel that maybe the club hadn't put anything out there because it had literally just happened rather than being something that had been, um, you know, diagnosed or, or, or what have you. So having that come out, not having that come out on the Tuesday didn't necessarily surprise me. And I, I've said before that, the you know, when players aren't named in the NRL, they don't always, most often they do if they're in the top 30, but they don't always get a mention immediately in the injury list listing that comes out on a Tuesday. Um, and as I said, with that maybe happening on that, um, well, I mean, there's obviously something that happened on the Monday, um, as I witnessed. So when BA came out and he mentioned it in his presser, uh, you know, I have no problem then saying, look, that's what I saw. Yeah. So anyone that thinks he's bullshitting is um, is just, you know, they're just inventing something. They don't know. They it's, just, it's not his calling card. We, we, you know, you know, for, for whatever criticism people want to level at Brad Arthur, whether they're fans or not, the, the bullshitting is certainly not his calling card. Oh, no, no. He's, he's a, anyone that's spoken of uh, BA knows what a straight shooter he is. He, yeah. he's, he doesn't... He doesn't mince words about things. He's a. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think what the uh, the the right terminology would be about someone who um, doesn't mince words. They just get a, a straight to the point. He's an he's an efficient user yeah. of, of, of yes. words. If, if anything, he uh, cuts through the BS. If anything, yeah, basically, yeah. And uh, looking looking at this game from sort of macro level sixties. We mentioned that Manly are holding down the last position in the New South Wales Cup. Parramatta in fifth. Despite the loss to Penrith, top four is not out of the considerations for the Eels. 24 points for the Blonde Gold, while the, the top three is probably gone with the Bulldogs at 28, Penrith 30, and the Jets 31 points. The Bears are ahead of the Eels by just one point with that draw, obviously splitting the uh, the odd and even point differential, or not point differential, but competition points differential there. So if they keep winning and the Bears drop one game, uh, top four is absolutely still within their grasp. So that starts this week out at HE Leibart Field. And um, uh, just just before we move on from that, uh, they finish on round 24, don't they, The both of the lower grades? Yeah, I think they, they do finish a week early, don't they? Let me just quickly yeah, to, to get early. through their final series. Because the they, they finish the one NRL. week before the grand final, yeah. So yeah. They, they finish on Sunday the, uh, Sunday the 7th of August against Manly. And... Parramatta Eels will go through to the uh, yes the Thursday the the first so they go uh, hang on does it make sense that's a lot of weeks short they just have to see what round number they go to oh, that's all that's always week because I'm silly that's because I'm silly uh, yeah round twenty four yeah you go round twenty four that's it. Yep. Yeah, which makes yep. sense because that, that's in line with the fact that they um, they still play the national championship in the grand final week. I've, I've, I've got a feeling that they do. Um, but just so uh, just one last thing, of course, is that, that what Parramatta do have to overcome is the fact that their two generals aren't take, yeah, uh, no taking Arthur, the field. No Rankin. Uh, no, yeah, no Arthur, no and Rankin. So we, we spoke about the, the difference. Fullback and halfback. Yeah. We spoke about the difference that having no Arthur made on the team in terms of their red zone efficiency. And that was obviously rectified when he played against Penrith and they were able to, even with just 11 men, compete. But now this week, no Rankin, no Arthur. Obviously, the full week of training to let Hans, Williams and Perham run the show as well as Mitch Rain at dummy half. But it's gonna, it could be a big levelling factor. So hopefully the, the whole team has 17 players lifts, which is what we're sort of hoping in the first grade too. 
when you're missing key players in the spine, you need everyone. You know, many hands make light work for that sort of thing. Which, of course, now brings us to the first grade, mate. Yes, and, and just before we get there, it feels like we haven't had to talk about an injury report in forever after that, you know, horror start to the season in the back line. But we do have a couple of additions. Obviously, Nathan Brown not on it officially, but has uh, picked up an injury that keeps him out this week. But Bailey Simonson, he was a game day scratch against the Panther Panthers. He's out for one to two weeks uh, with a hamstring. So hopefully he's back next week, but he could potentially miss that game too, depending on how he's healing. And Mitch Moses, the big one, uh, broke his finger in the first half against the Panthers, played through because he's a tough bugger. And uh, while the initial prognosis was five weeks by the media, the club were saying three to four weeks in their official release. And then we had the Daily Telegraph saying he could be back in as many as two weeks yesterday. So it's going to be a bit of a, 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 was a lottery of sweepstakes when it comes to his recovery. And I suppose part of that would be how bad things go for the Parramatta Eels in terms of defeats and results against them in that you know, race to close out a top eight position. And if we desperately need our you know, field general back or field marshal back, he could make that return. Yes, yeah. So, uh, and, and I think BA basically also gave it away with, um, I think he said it might only be a couple of weeks with Mitch. Yeah. And he, he talked about him being a pain in the backside and pretend, and thinking he's the coach walking around in the grey shirts at training. So, um, uh. it's. Uh, but you know what? I think you'd much rather have the uh, one of the uh, senior players in the team wanting to be as involved as oh, that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Un- injured. So yeah. uh, that's really uh, take that as, as a good thing. Um, look, it was I, – I went and watched uh, training last night, and I'm not going to talk about it um, really because that's not – that's not my go during the season proper. What I what I would will say is that I was I, I was impressed with what I saw last night. So and I'll just leave it at that. Positive sign. Um, but that brings us to the actual game itself. Sixties ten v six out at Four Pines Park Friday night seven fifty five pm kickoff. This is a, a important game for the Eels because Manly are one of those teams that are nipping at their heels in terms of uh, that top eight cutoff. A win here. It certainly doesn't put the top eight beyond doubt for the Eels because the Canberra Raiders are also, and, and the St. George Dragons are also a factor there, but it goes a long way towards securing that, uh, whether we finish top four or not, or it goes a long way towards securing that top eight finish. Looking at the Manly team, obviously they had that drama last week with the inclusion jerseys and the seven players that stood down. They haven't had all seven players return. Um, I think Josh Alioway might have picked up an injury in that game before the Roosters game, and Josh Schuster, I don't know if he's on the outer, but he's not in the seventeen. Let's look at their roster, though. At fullback, it's Ruben Garrick. On the wings, Jason Saab and Christian Tulpulotu. Centres, Morgan Harper and Tolatau Kula. In the halves, it's the old firm of Kieran Foran and Dowie Cherry Evans. Front row, Taniela Paseka, Lachlan Croker at dummy half, and Tafalfala Sipley as the other prop. In the back row, Hamole Olokowatu. Former paramedical Andrew Davey and Jake Dubojevic at lock forward. On the bench, Dylan Walker, Ben Dubojevic, Martin Tapau and Morgan Boyle. Extended roster, Josh Schuster, Ethan Bullymore, Kurt DeLouis, K.O. Weeks, and Brad Parker. Some surprising selections and non-selections there. So, I, I mean, there's been a bit of buzz about uh, Josh Schuster's fit at the club, given he's been demanding to play 5 8 Is this a sort of reflection of that, or is he banged up? I don't know. He had the week off, so sure he's not banged up. Yeah, it's he's an interesting one, isn't he? It's You'd have to say that with 
forward moving on next year and he well, wanting to play 5 eight, you think he has the saloon passage is, is to he, that position. Is he moving on? Because as much as the media's latched onto the ice backflip stuff, we've got talks now that Kieran Foran doesn't want to go to the Gold Coast Titans, wants to stay at Manly. Kelma Talungi, the back row of a Manly sign from the West Tigers, he wants to stay at West's. So, I don't know, there's uh, some really weird action happening in the NRL right now. There is. I did hear um, a grab from uh, Foran saying that, uh, no, he's he's very happy to uh, honour his contract at the at the Gold Coast. So, I don't know, you can, you can only... Uh, I, I, I don't know if he could have said that any clearer. Um, but, you know, it's as you said... Stranger things have happened, so uh, I guess it's a matter of watch this space. But <laughs> I, I can't help but think that Josh Schuster is the sort of talent that I'm. I'm happier to see him on an extended reserves list than on the bench. He, he, uh, he. I know that he's capable of some errors. But he's also capable of some play that other footballers aren't, and I people players like that are real danger X factor elements in, and you only need them to pull out one of those sort of plays out of their ass in a game, and it can be a turning point. You know what I mean? Or it could oh, be yeah. that difference. That difference. It's like we used to see um, our, our very own Bryce Cartwright do that when Penrith would play Parramatta. Yeah. It just it was just there's always the threat that it could happen and it, and it feels like you say it's going to be typical that it happens to to Parramatta and uh we were even talking about uh with Penrith last week and their uh prop now I've got a mental blank on his name remember I was I was talking about I prefer to see him out of the team than in the team he was just coming Leota. back from injury. Sorry. Yeah, Look, Moses Leota. Yeah, and he ended up being part of the part of the team. For, for once, and, we got the bottle of him up instead of him scoring a try or setting up something. Yeah, correct. Yes, yes, correct. And y- you know that there are players that they pose that threat, and you just would rather not see them out on the field. So um, I'm I'm ho- I'm hoping it stays that way that he stays on the reserve list, mate. Yeah. And um, we'll obviously talk more about the matchups once we get through the Parramatta list. But to do that, let's talk about the Parramatta Eels 1 to 22, but obviously more importantly, 1 to 17 at fullback as always. Despite the talk coming out of our, that Monday training session, Clinton Gufferson, one of the two co captains of the team, on the wings in terrific touch, Mike Sivo and Wanga Blake holding down that right edge with the injury to Bailey Simonson in the centres as Will Penasini and the reliable Tom Opachik, halves Dylan Brown. And Jake Arthur. So no surprise there. He was going with the keep it simple, silly or stupid, if you want to be a little bit harsher uh, profile there. In the front row, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Balor, and Reed Money at number half. Edges, Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali'i, and Ryan Madison as part of that fantastic forward pack and back row. On the bench, Mac Hesse Makatoa, Bryce Cartwright, Oregon Kafusi, and Murata Niakore. Extended roster, Offi Ogden, Hayes Perham, Brendan Hans, Sean Russell, and Ellie Ellis Gehem. Some interesting options there if the Eels were to have to dip into their extended roster per injury or some other you know issue. But I think the Eels should be one to seventeen. Like we said, if the we I was reading it out, no surprises. Arthur at half, expecting him to just play a solid game with the other members of the spine in Gufferson, Brown, and Marnie to pick up the slack. And like I said with Spiro yesterday, sixties, 
this is the sort of game they want to see Marnie in the forward pack, the middles, really dominate. Yeah. Look, you, first of all, you nailed it with the, the the KISS philosophy that they adopt with the, um, with the team selection. You don't want to go moving players around and just reshuffling and um, just to, you know, in case you were concerned or people were concerned about uh, Jake's lack of NRL experience, the fact is he's got the number of uh, matches that he's played in the top grade over the last couple of years as a lead-in to moments like this. Yeah, exactly. Players get their... Players get their debut, or players, young players, get a debut, and then they'll 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 get those limited minutes, whether it be um, filling in at injury times or or coming off the bench. It all adds up to the experience, so that when they get to the point where they're needed for multiple matches, like it looks like where uh, Jake Arthur might be required for anywhere between two and four weeks for this, that it's not a a disruption to the system. There, they train. As a squad of thirty over the preseason, they mix and match the halves so that everyone gets that experience of playing alongside each other. I mentioned that during the preseason that Jake was one of the standouts of the preseason, and I don't, I don't uh, retract that whatsoever. And anyone that was up there watching the preseason would have seen what he was uh, delivering in the opposed sessions. Uh, both in attack and in defence, so he was uh, he was a standout during those sessions. I said it was go- at the time. I said it was going to be cruel that he wouldn't be able to force his way into the seventeen, and he did actually end up on the bench for round one. And good thing too, because we got the injury to Sean Russell that happened, and they did a did a little bit of a, a, a shuffle, but they were able to cover the back line with Dylan Brown moving to centre in that game, and they managed to uh, and they managed out the second half when the game was actually at risk of getting away from them playing touch football against the Gold Coast. And we've spoken about what happens when Parramatta goes lateral and play in touch football. And I thought Jake did a very good job of settling the team down. People were thinking, oh, we're not seeing the, the tries that we saw in the first half. Hey, guess what? In the first half, we were also seeing the Gold Coast yeah, pile on the tries exactly. as well. It, it was an absolute game of touch football which was turned into a grind, which Parramatta were far better at doing in the second half than what the Gold Coast were, and it got the victory. And so any of the criticism that came Jake's way in that match I thought was quite unfounded. I thought he did a very good job of keeping that play a lot more centred and also keeping the play down in the um, in the Titans' end. So um, I think he's a, a great inclusion because he's he's more used to the system playing at halfback within uh, the Parramatta Club. He's the number three halfback behind Moses and Brown. So it's just a logical inclusion. I've said it's a great inclusion. So it's a logical conclusion is probably the most appropriate thing to say. So uh, I, I don't have any doubts that he's going to get the job done. But it does need uh, people, in the other players in the spine, to step up. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's not a knock on Jake. That's a reflection of how big a hole it is losing arguably your most important player, and your best player in Mitchell Moses. Well, absolutely, because Jake's game is nothing like Mitch Moses. He's not gonna. He's not gonna do those blinding runs that Mitch Moses is capable of. Of uh, just that instant acceleration to get through gaps. There are very few halfbacks in the game that have what Mitch Moses possesses in that regard. Right? Mitch Moses has one of the biggest boots in the game. Now, Jake has a very accurate kicking game. And is as probably has a better kicking game than Dylan Brown, but 
we can't expect Jake to be Mitch Moses. No, exactly. Exactly. And that's why I think that Jake's plan will be to be a very, you know, conventional halfback with, you know, distribution organization. He'll, you know, share the kicking duties and he'll certainly take on the line too. But I think all the flashier stuff will be handled by the one, the six, the nine in some capacity with uh, Arthur doing sort of the the more logistical, if you want to call it that way, management of the team when it comes to getting them through their sets. And last week, what we saw was probably the best combined performance from our spine that we'd seen in some time. And I think we need to see, obviously, we need to see that happening again this week because Manly's halves have done an excellent job this year. And, and um, you know, Cherry Evans' kicking game really is right up there with Mitch Moses' kicking game. So we know what what he's going to deliver. Uh, you're looking at the two packs. This is one where the Eels really do need to dominate in the in the forwards because if they can take away any sort of momentum from Manly, we know that what Manly love to do is they love to get the opposition on the on the back foot. Once they're on the back foot. It doesn't matter if it's in their own halves or not. Manly will chance their hand oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. from 35, 40 metres out from their own line against the likes they'll, of they'll kick. They'll kick early across field if they see the option too. Um, yeah, so yeah. They, they'll, they, hit their, they'll hit their wings. They'll, they'll send that ball wide from about their own 40 metre line to test out the, uh, the compressed defence the Parramatta uses. Yeah. But if you're not letting them get any sort of momentum, it's harder for them to get those sort of shifts if they're on the back foot or if they're flat-footed in their attack. So Parramatta has to has to be dominant in defence as as well as attack. It's we can't have that passive defence line from from the forwards from or from anyone. It it has to be constantly in Manly's face and uh you know mate just eliminate their opportunities to go for those shifts because as I said, we know they're going to go for the big shift. They've got a a pacey winger in in Saab who is um, – if he's out in the clear, no one's going to catch him no, for a start. Yeah. So, However, uh, he has his weaknesses. Oh, yeah. He, he, he is uh, – I, I imagine he'd be a frustrating player to be a, like, be a Manly fan for. You know, Obviously, you're barracking for your team, but Saab's got some errors in him. He's got some weaknesses in his game that teams can exploit. Oh yeah, look, there are manly supporters out there who would who would swap him out a first grade simply because of the of the deficiencies in his game, which they they feel are costly. So um, yeah, look, I think if it really does come back to playing para one hundred and one football, I reckon yeah, again, definitely, definitely, and with the seven day turnaround, there's no excuses for a lack of freshness too. You know, we played yeah. last Friday, and yes, it was a physical game, even with Penrith down a man. That first half was, you know, very, very high quality from both teams. But the uh, Eels, with the benefit of that seven-day turnaround, you got the consistency of preparation, and even without Mitchell Moses, we should be able to, you know, do our assignments. Everyone should okay. have their jobs and get them done. Yep. So let's let's go for the uh, predictions. All right. I'm <clears throat> I am worried about this game. I, I'm not going to hide from that. I, I think it's. Uh, similar to last week, uh, there's there's a part of me that um, the the head says one thing and the heart <laughs> says another, 
the head the head is actually saying that Manly at home bouncing back from what they've gone through, the trouble that they've given us in the past, the fact that we don't have Mitch Moses kicking game or blinding acceleration, that we are going to struggle and that we lose the game. The heart then says this is the time when we're going to step up and I need to have faith in what Parramatta is capable of doing. Uh, that that the spine are going to step up. Uh, Jake Arthur is going to do exactly what he needs to do, and that the Eels will get the job done and get it get it done comfortably. Mm-hmm. In this instance, I'm going to go with the heart. Last week I went with the head. This week I'm going to go with the heart, and I'm going to predict uh, Parramatta to win this by 36 to 14, and that. Uh, we'll have uh, first try scorer will be the Mr. 150 Gamer, Wonga uh, Blake. Blake. Yes. And uh, best on field will be Dylan Brown. I like those tips. Yeah. Um, the, the matchup against Manly for the longest time, we dominated under Brad Arthur. He just had the, the answers to all of their questions. And then more recently, we saw Manly sort of turn the tide up until round 11 this year where the 22-20 victory for the Eels, hopefully... Uh, put that to bed for a while, and I'm hoping that we can turn that into a bit of momentum back our way. So I'm going to tip, like you said, this is a game where there's a a wild gamut of potential outcomes, but I am going to tip a solid Parramatta victory, maybe uh, in the vicinity of 32-12. And uh, first try scorer, I do like that tip of the milestone man. Um, I might go for Tom Opachik, though, Mr. Reliable there in the centres. And best on field, Dylan Brown is a fantastic shout. I think like for the Eels to have a 20-point margin of victory would require Dylan to have that sort of game. Um, so that is a very good shout. But if um, if the Eels are going to dominate the way I want them to, it's going to be on that starting 8, 9, and 10. So I, I'll say you know best on field for one of those three, whether it's Reg, Junes, or Reed. Okay, I think that's a fair call as well. Well, mate... Um, again, a uh, a quick podcast in this instance in comparison to our usual ramblings. Uh, what are we coming at this We're time? We're clocked in at 38, 20, 38 and a half right now. So, yeah, very feels much. solid. That yeah, feels very, solid. Very, very much good good level of content, but on the shorter side for two blokes that can ramble on. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the uh, more streamlined podcast this week. Obviously, it's on the back of, uh, not, not because we don't like to ramble, but we just had some logistical uh, clashings uh, on your end, sixties. Just you know, you're a busy man, and it happens. But uh, we've we've made it work, which is always good. And hopefully, you guys enjoy the two shorter podcasts this week. And uh, go your wheels. <laughs>